Hi, everybody. I'm Grant Fishbook, and I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham. I want to thank you for accessing this online content. We're so glad that you've decided to watch this message today. And one of our values here at Christ the King is biblical community. And so I just want to encourage you uh, and remind you that while we are glad that you are accessing this content, this is absolutely no replacement for face-to-face biblical community wherever you happen to be. If you happen to be in our area, we would love to welcome you to any one of our five campuses. But if you're watching this somewhere else in the country or somewhere else in the world, I hope that you'll take the opportunity to find a biblical community where you can both give and receive as you continue your journey with Jesus. Well, this week we're gonna continue our series called The Invitation. Christmas is an amazing time of year. So we'd like to invite you to join the rest of the family here at Christ the King Church as we continue our new series, The Invitation. Some weeks, sermon preparation is the easiest part of my week. I sit down, God starts talking, and my fingers just fly. That is not the way it worked this week. This week was a struggle. I started about seven or eight times. Every time I got on a bit of a roll, something would come and interrupt me. Some of you know exactly how I'm feeling. Just, you just kind of get the energy moving in the right direction. You got this whole list of things you got to get done. And then something, some crisis, some distraction presses you off in the side direction. I got to about Thursday and I'm just like, really, Jesus? Like, seriously? It's hard enough to preach Christmas as it is, right? There's no new characters. I don't get a new guy to fit into the story. It doesn't work that way. I'm like, really? This is what you got for me this week? And it took me until about Thursday night before I finally, it's just like, oh, okay, now I get it. Shh. Take a deep breath, Grant. Relax. Jesus and I share a birthday, born on December the 25th, all those years ago. But I'll tell you what, that, that's about all we have in common at certain times. And I just realized I gave up everything and forgot completely about the Prince of Peace. And whenever that happens to me, I don't know what you do, but I go back to basics. In those days, Caesar Augustus, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken for the entire Roman world. It's the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem in the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time for the baby came to be born. 
And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what they'd been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which they were just, just as they had been told. It's a Christmas story about a gift, the most epic gift ever. I gave the worst Christmas gift ever to my wife several years ago, and I will never live it down. <laughs> Laurel wanted a ring, and I can't blame her. Years ago when I graduated from college and we got engaged, 300 Canadian dollars didn't buy much of a ring, I'll tell you. But I did my best, and that's what she has worn proudly on her finger for many, many years. And she had been saying, I think it's time that maybe we just upgraded the game just a little bit and tried to maybe get a ring where you could actually see the diamond. That would be kind of neat and unique. And, and so I, I missed it. I'll be honest, I missed it. To Christmas morning, she had a level of expectation. And we got through everything underneath of the tree, and there was one little brown bag left. I'd forgotten about the brown bag. I can't even tell you why I actually bought what was inside of the brown bag, but she grabbed the brown bag thinking that there was gold and diamonds inside of that brown bag. Inside of that brown bag was a finch bath. Finches, small birds, little clay thing. Put it in your garden, fill it with water, they come and hang out. <laughs> you want to know the kicker? My wife hates birds. <laughs> I just <laughs> That gift lives in infamy because of how bad it was. You ask my kids, tell us about, go ahead, ask them. When you come in the doors on the 23rd and 24th, my children will be on display at the main doors. Ask them, tell them. Tell us about the finch bath, and they will tell you a story that to this day makes my face go red. Got to be honest with you, I just didn't really think about the gift. It was an afterthought. It, it just kind of disappeared into my husband's brain. And husbands, do not look all innocent on me right now, because I know you've all played the game with me before, right? I know she told me something. I was supposed to buy her something. I know what I do. I'll buy her a drill, and I'll say, hey, honey, it's for you. I'm just going to use it all the time. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. 
It's not my most shining moment. And it doesn't even compare, it shouldn't even be even mentioned in the same breath as what we're going to talk about for the next couple of minutes because that's a gift that required everything and was more than just an afterthought. When we see the bread and the wine of communion, we, we are reminded that they are symbols of sacrifice, that they are the ultimate gift, that we can't get around them or bypass them, not if we're really followers of Jesus. And they represent so much to the people in the room who have a personal relationship with Christ. And if you're not there yet, that's okay. I, my hope and prayer is that you receive the greatest gift of all this Christmas, a relationship with Jesus. Your life will never be the same. Wrapped up inside of the bread and the wine is, is really a gift of relationship. I mean, that's what Jesus was doing. He was, he, he was putting together a perfect God and imperfect people. He was building a bridge. That's why he came. That's why he limited himself. Even though he was fully God and fully man at exactly the same time, he, he put on human constraints because he wanted to build a friendship between you and his father. John chapter 1, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world and he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came that that which was his own, but, but his own didn't receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. He offers us the gift of relationship every single day. That's why we, that's why we do this Christmas thing. Because we're wide-eyed with wonder at the fact that a God who's perfect in heaven would actually want to have relationship with broken, imperfect people like us. And if you don't think you're broken and imperfect, we've got a great class in denial that we would love you to take. We've all taken it, and we'd love for you to join us. It's a gift of relationship. It's also a gift of reconciliation. I mean, wrapped up in the wine and, and the bread is this, this beautiful understanding that God came to, Jesus came to reconcile us to his Father because God's perfect and we're not. That's why I love these verses from 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. That's beautiful. That's what I love about Christmas. I don't get what I deserve. I get what I don't deserve. I get grace. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Do we understand that what the bread and the wine is screaming at us is he was perfect and he took on our imperfection so that when we stand before God and receive that just punishment that we should receive, Jesus steps in front of us and says, you don't need to look at him and his imperfection. I got this covered. That's the beauty of the gift that Jesus gave us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we may become the righteousness of God. God has reconciled and put us together. It means this. If you know Jesus, you're welcome at the table. You've got an invitation. Oh, he wants you to come so bad. And right away we're thinking, I disqualified. You should have seen how I acted this week, Grant. I could share a few things that I'd be a little embarrassed about too. Can we agree together that, that we don't stand equal in perfection? We all stand equal in our need of a Savior. And that's the beauty of Christmas. 
We all need forgiveness. I need forgiveness. And that's why God offers us through the symbol of the bread and the wine, a gift of forgiveness. The Bible says in Psalm 103, I love this, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquity for as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. I mean, there's just something so unbelievably beautiful about realizing that when God comes, he offers the gift of, of an eraser. He just wipes it all clean. Not because of anything we've done or deserve, but because of everything that Jesus did and everything that Jesus deserves. And it opens a door for us to be able to come in and commune and have fellowship and relationship and forgiveness and reconciliation with a God that we shouldn't even be in the same universe with. And then there's the gift of hope. I don't know about some of you guys, but the world seems a little hopeless now. A little darker this year. And that's why God shows up in the middle of the celebration of the incarnation, God putting on human flesh and saying, I know it's hard, but I'll tell you what, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Why would we not lose hope? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing, upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord, the Lord Almighty, will accomplish this. It's a gift. That's why some of my friends look at me and go, you're nuts. You're always smiling. Like, I've got good reason to smile. <laughs> I know the guy who's sponsoring all this Christmas stuff. <laughs> and he shows up faithfully every year, even when people ignore him, even when people find something better to do because it's just a really, really busy season. Even though we list excuses to him, he keeps showing up saying, it's not about what you think it's about. It's about a gift. And if you were the only person on the face of the earth, the gift would have been offered anyway. Because he loves you that much. It's the gift of hearing God say, I choose you. You never got picked in middle school, boy did they miss out. I choose you. I made it right between you and my father and and, and the Bible says that, that you can't get to the Father unless you go through Jesus. Jesus stands up at Christmas time and says, I took care of that for you. Covered a debt that we couldn't cover and offered us hope that we cannot manufacture on our own. It's the beautiful gift of Christmas. No wonder it says in the book of 2 Corinthians, thanks be unto God for his indescribable gift. You can't put human words around it. It would just be better if you lifted your eyes to heaven in childlike wonder and said, wow, it's Christmas. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a moment together. Quiet joyful, expectant, excited moment, because I'm going to give you an opportunity to unwrap the greatest gift that's ever been offered in history. I'd like to invite you to come to a table that you don't deserve to go to, and neither do I. 
and they're spread all over the room because we're not going to do this with any semblance of order today. We're going to do something crazy. We're actually going to listen for the Holy Spirit of God to tell us when to move and when to take and when to sit back down again. And I know for some of you, you're just like, what? (laughs) You don't need to trust me, trust him. There's bread and there is grape juice. Can I tell you why we do grape juice at Christ the King? It's to honor every one of our brothers and sisters that are here and that are working actively at their recovery. We think you're heroes and we would never do anything to trip you up. So I want you to know if you're walking that difficult journey, as I have been walking for a really, really, really long time, this table is safe for you. We want you to come. It's an opportunity to come and take Jesus at his word when he said, if we confess our sin, he's faithful, just, will forgive our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I know there may be people here tonight and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus yet and you just want to watch, believe me, that's okay here. You get to choose. You don't have to do anything just because somebody else is doing it. Maybe you just want to use this time to reflect a little bit on some of the conversations that Jesus has been having with you over the last couple of weeks. But in a few moments, the band's going to come and and, and we're going to celebrate together. We're going to sing together. You're going to have about three songs-ish, okay? To come when the Spirit tells you to come and to serve communion to yourself. I know it's different. Normally, we got people standing there and they say the body and the blood of Christ for you. Can you do me a favor when you come to the table? This is what I want you to picture in your mind. Not helpless baby Jesus. You picture warrior King Jesus standing saying, this is for you. I did this for you. This gift is for you. I love you. You are mine. So you're going to have all kinds of time to just kind of wander up. And the cool thing about Saturday night is we got a little bit more room to move around. Sunday morning's not quite the same. They're going to freak out at 9.30 and 11.15. You should, you should pray for them ahead of time, all right? But you can come whenever you want to during this next little section of time when the music is playing. I'll tell you what, if you tap somebody on the shoulder and say, excuse me, can I slip by? They're not going to think twice. It's okay. You come when God taps you on the heart and says, come and get your gift. I got you. And you will not be disappointed. It's not a finch bath. (laughs) It's a loving, forgiving relationship between God and his kids. That's what's waiting for you at the table. So when God says come, come on up. If you want to take the cup back, to your seat and spend a little extra time, you're welcome to do that. I'll just encourage you to not leave it behind when you leave tonight. There's also some receptacles there. If you'd like to serve yourself there and then put the cup inside of the receptacle so we can clean up for tomorrow, that'd be awesome too. None of us deserve to come. But the gift is that God says, but I want you to. The Bible says examine yourself, so we should do that before we come. Let's take a long, hard look, but never forget, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sin, 
cleanse us from all unrighteousness as white as snow. That's how good Jesus is. You can stand. You can sit. You can kneel. You can cry. You can laugh. Because this is family time. So whenever God tells you it's time to come, you come. Father God, thank you for the gift of Jesus today. The body and the blood for us. God, may we never lose the wonder of how beautiful that is. Of how undeserving we are and how gracious you are to invite us to your dinner table. Father, I thank you for these sacred moments when we get to reflect on the beautiful gift of your son. God, I thank you for that precious gift. May we carry it with us all year long. We pray these things in your beautiful name, your powerful name, your healing name, your majestic name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Just so you know, the, uh, the table is never closed, always open. I watched a young man at our Saturday night service have a war with Jesus right over here in the corner. For the record, he lost. (laughs) And after everything was said and done in the service, I watched him wind his way up to the front and have a moment. And maybe you need to have a moment today too. You heard Catherine read a psalm. Everybody knows Psalm 23. Not many people pay attention to Psalm 24. Let me recap it for you. The Bible says God claims the world is his, everything and everyone belongs to him, which means your Christmas is his, your schedule is his, all of your gifts are his, your love is his, your peace is his, your joy is his, your challenge is his, your family is his, the food is his, it all belongs to him. Why are you taking so much ownership over something that doesn't belong to you? (laughs) Your hope is him. The Bible says he's the one who pushed back the oceans and let the dry ground appear, planting firm foundations for the earth. My question to you, church, is this. If God can create the entire world in six days, don't you think he can take care of you? Don't you think he can watch over you? Don't you think he can melt the heart of that resistant person that you summoned up the courage to to put an invitation into their hand? Don't you think that that great glory king has the ability and the power to turn a heart of stone into a heart of flesh? I know he can because that's what he did to me. Verse 3, who then ascends into the presence of the Lord? Who has the privilege of entering into God's holy place? And That, that is an, an awesome invitation, but here it comes. It will make you swallow hard only those who are clean, whose works and ways are pure, whose hearts are true and sealed by the truth, those who never deceive, whose words are 
sure. So apparently none of us qualify to come to dinner with the king. And that would be heartbreaking news if we didn't also understand that because of the gift of Jesus, we are not judged on our merit. We're judged on his merit. None of us qualify to come to the dinner table, but that's the beauty of it. Jesus said, it's actually me that matters in this. And I invited you. See, we all need a perfect sacrifice, saving Savior at Christmas time. None of this is because of us. It's all because of him. And, and, and it means in this particular scripture that we are they. Let me read to you verse number five, because it says, based on the goodness of God, not on ourselves, it says, they will receive the Lord's blessing and righteousness given by the Savior God. They will stand before God, for they seek the pleasure of God's face, the God of Jacob. And then has this beautiful little word, selah, which just means just take a deep breath and soak in it. The king of glory knows you, loves you, and wants you to enter fully into Christmas. You should have another level of joy, followers of Jesus, because you have a deep abiding friendship with the man who is sponsoring all of this this year. Verse 7, so wake up, you living gateways. Wake up. To those of you in the room who have never considered a personal relationship with Jesus, this is the Holy Spirit tapping you on the heart saying, time to wake up. Wake up and know that that God can cover it all. Wake up and know that God loves you in spite of everything you've done. Wake up and know that if you were the only person on the face of the earth, Jesus would have come anyway. So great is his love for you. Wake up. To those who already know Jesus, wake up, you living gateways. Lift up your heads, you ageless doors of destiny. Welcome the king of glory. He's about to come through you. I love that. He's coming through us. He's entering into these spaces through us, through the hearts of his people, through the worship of his people. The Bible says that that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. He's coming through you. And the coolest thing about this dysfunctional family is that we don't see ourselves as the gatekeepers trying to keep people out. We see ourselves as the gatekeepers who have the audacity to believe that our job is to hold the gate open so that anybody can walk in and become a part of this family. That's what we're here for. That's why we invite. It's so that other people can experience what we have experienced through Jesus. Verse 8, you ask, who is this glory king? The Lord armed and ready for battle. The mighty one, invincible in every way. This is not helpless, eight pound, five ounce baby Jesus. This is revelation warrior king Jesus. With a sword coming out of his mouth, riding on a white steed, with a tattoo of a name on his thigh that only he himself knows. This is not helpless, somebody change my diaper, Jesus. This is Jesus in his full glory, with his full power, and you have an opportunity to meet him either in his justice or his grace. For the love of God, choose grace. Verse 9, wake up you living gateways and rejoice. 
Fling wide, you ageless doors of destiny. Here he comes. The king of glory is ready to come in. You ask, who is this king of glory? He is the Lord of victory, armed and ready for battle. The mighty one, the invincible commander of heaven's hosts. Yes, he is the king of glory. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. The truth is you're just a gateway. But what an honor to be able to hold a door open for someone else to enter in, to have a face-to-face encounter with the living God. Romans 10 reminds us, but how will they know unless somebody tells them? So may your week be saturated with opportunities to invite I've been carrying around little pieces of paper in my car. I am amazed at how often I've heard in the last two weeks, really? I can come? You can come. Church, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but the world is hurting. And they're looking for hope. And we have it. So why wouldn't we give it away? Why not take a risk? Why not open a door and let the king of glory do what the king of glory does best? Save prodigals. Bring sinners home. And heal broken hearts and lives. My hope and prayer is that we'll take that opportunity serious this year as we gather next weekend for one purpose. Oh, come, let us adore him. For he alone is worthy. Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this moment. A moment when we gather as a family and we have an opportunity to reflect on just how good you are how beautiful you are, and how precious the symbols of communion become to us when we see them as a beautiful gift. So God, as we get ready to re-enter that world of chaos out there, I pray that you would give us the gift of hope to carry with us throughout this week. Lord, may the light of Jesus, the King of glory, shine through us. And may we love people enough to welcome them into his family. So God, I thank you for those who've, who've come today, who've made that effort to, to be with you. And God, I thank you that we are not judged on our own merit, but the merit of Jesus. So Father, may you walk with us in and through these moments as we wind our way towards the celebration of the birth of your son. What a beautiful gift that is. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again for watching. We're so glad you accessed this content online. I want to encourage you again to make sure you get connected in biblical community wherever you are. If you'd like to get more information about Christ the King Church, if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you'd like to give online, we'd encourage you to go to ctk.church. We hope to see you again really soon.